0: Hey, everybody, this is Jimmy Smith, and today on the MMA on SiriusXM podcast, I break down the UFC 280 main card with the Thug Jitsu Master himself, Eve Edwards, on Unlocking the Cage. That's right, pay per view Eve with my boy, Eve Edwards. It is great to have you as always, Eve. I'm going to um, ask you a question. I usually don't dig this deep, we usually don't go, but hey, it's a big card. We're going to do this. I have said for a long time, that Sean Brady might be the dark horse at 170 pounds. This dude's jiu-jitsu is off the chain. He is big. He has great pressure. This fight against Bilal Muhammad, am I out of my mind thinking that after his win over Jake Matthews, Michael Chiesa, he's going up and up and up. Do you think he might be a dark horse at 170, Sean Brady?
1: He is a dark horse at 170. It's, it's it's not whether I think so or not, you know. Um, and this this fight could could literally be his coming out party. I mean, um, the Michael Chiesa fight that was a great fight. Uh, everybody respects Chiesa, but he's just constantly moving up the ranks, fighting better and better competition, and looking really good doing that, man. If he if he if he looks as good as he did against Chiesa against Bilal Muhammad, like. You have to start putting that guy in a conversation of title contention. And you want I would want to start seeing him in there against all the guys around that number and keep 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 moving up. And that guy is that guy is legit. What and shit, um man. somewhere down the line, he's gonna fight a Colby Covington, um, Kamaru Usman, Leon Edwards. Somewhere, somewhere sometime in 2023, 2024, he should be fighting around that level.
0: Um, Let's start with two guys that, you know, it just sucks, man. Benil Darius has scratched and clawed and fought to get where he is in the lightweight division. He's currently, um, I believe, sixth uh, in the 155-pound rankings. This is a guy who has done everything to be where he is, man. And he gets another murderer in Matias Gamrat, who is ninth right now in the division. But they're both solid grapplers. Um, they both swing for the fences when they go for it. They're both submission specialists. Um, wh- how do you see this fight going? What do you see the difference between these two guys? Very close fight. What do you think the difference maker is here?
1: Man, honestly, I think the difference is one of the intangibles, and I think is the hunger. And I, and this is not to say that Benil Darius is not hungry, but it's it's he's been sitting at the table for a while. You know, Gamrot yeah. is just pulling his seat up to the table. And I think those guys are a little more hungry. They're a little more after it. And, um, I hate to say it, man, cause cause I'm still a big Dan Hooker fan, but I feel like Hooker got a seat at the table for a while. And, um, after being there for a while and, and not getting to that, to that title shot, um, it's kind of where you start to just kind of accept sitting at the table and um, not wanting to sit mm. at the head, you know, not, not desiring and thriving to sit at the head of the table. And, um, I, I'm not saying that's where Benil Dariush is, but I just feel like Camrot's going to be a little bit hungry or going to go after a little bit more and just want it a little bit more, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, th- that idea that it's going to be a, a game of inches with these guys who have a similar style, but but considering both of them rely a lot on their wrestling, both rely a lot on their takedown and their top pressure, do you think that leads to a striking battle? This is one of those that their strengths are so similar that might have to go to their B game, which is their striking?
1: I I 100% believe so, Um, and not necessarily because they're going to have to go to their B, well, not have to go, choose to go to their B game, but potentially because they're going to have to. I mean, they're both really good wrestlers, and the thing that I I learned, really picked up about wrestling, I've always had good balance. My takedown defense is good was only because because of my balance, but as I learned how to wrestle and learning where this guy needs to get to next, the stuff takedowns, my takedown defense got better, and... It takes a whole lot of work and effort to hit takedowns. So when these guys start stuffing each other, I think the takedown is just going to start to fall to the background. And then we're going to start to see a lot more of this striking aspect until potentially one of these guys settles into accepting this fight as a kickboxing match. And then then the guy who's winning that potentially blasting through and getting like a strong, powerful blast double or just getting to a good position. But this is going to be a kickboxing match for the majority of the fifteen.
0: Speaking, of course, to Eve Edwards, uh, my friend and a great MMA mind goes back all the way to the OG days, the late 90s. Amazing stuff from Eve Edwards. But um, we are moving up the card. Uh, UFC 280, that's what we're discussing here. Pyotr Jan versus Sugar Sean O'Malley. One of the things I've been harping on all week is Sugar Sean O'Malley wants to be like a Conor McGregor, like a Ronda Rousey, that crossover mega superstar. People forget that Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey were dominant early on in their careers. They smashed everybody. They did it in dramatic fashion. That's what initially drew us to them as competitors, and then they became megastars and blah 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 blah. But they had to win, and they had to win in dominant fashion. So people saying that Sean O'Malley, as a three to one underdog, um, you know, doesn't have anything to lose. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. if you want to be a mega celebrity, every loss hurts you. You know, Nick Diaz. I'm sorry, uh, Nate Diaz had his big wins. That, that, of course, against Conor McGregor, that got him where he is. Um, Jorge Masvidal got a three-fight win streak. He got a win to build those. And a loss does hurt Sugar Sean O'Malley. But a loss devastates Piotr Jan. He's losing to a guy who's, I think, ranked 12th in the division. Who's the pressure on? And you think how they handle the pressure might define the fight to you?
1: The pressure's on Peter Jan, in my opinion. From my perspective, I feel like the pressure's on Peter Jan because O'Malley is a guy who who hasn't fought a lot of the top guys, you know? I, I can think of Marlon Vera and and then Pedro Munoz, and that's really it. And the Pedro Munoz fight, we didn't even get a real outcome in that one, you know? So um, <laughs> I think O'Malley um, has a lot riding on it, but I think Petey Yan is the guy who the, who's the pressures on, you know, but on, on the O'Malley side of things, not having had that competition against the best in the division and then you're getting the the the, the guy sitting right at the top a former champion you know who's still right there um this is this is not going to be easy out for either guy uh i think people looking at, at at Sean O'Malley as a 3 to 1 underdog is a bad idea man O'Malley's a complete mixed martial artist he can he can fight everywhere his wrestling may not be the absolute best but it's pretty solid and his submission game is is pretty much second to none. You know, he he's solid on the ground, but his range, his dictation of range and keeping it and landing from the outside and keeping guys away from him. That's where, where he's really strong. And PD is also um, great on his feet. He's going to be able to, I mean, he's going to have to put pressure on O'Malley and get O'Malley backing up because if you let, let O'Malley establish that he, this is my territory and you're not backing me up, like with that length and that range control, I think O'Malley could be a real problem for for even a, a qualified guy like Peter Jan. Do you think that
0: pressure might make Piotr Jan be a little too aggressive? If if, if I'm in his corner, here's my point. If I'm in his corner, as we're in the back, we're getting warmed up. Just win, baby. Al Davis, just win. I know you're a three to one favorite. You might want to knock this kid's head off in the first couple rounds. What? Hey, don't think that way. Just win. Is that the advice you give? It does not have to be spectacular, just beat this kid. That there might be pressure on Piotr Jan to win decisively. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I don't I don't feel like there should be pressure on Peter, Piotr Jan to, to win decisively, to win emphatically, you know. Um yeah. I, I agree with with what you're saying when it's like just get the win. That Al Davis perspective coming into yeah. the fight, right? Yeah. Um and and with with Jan I think he has that experience, man. He should be able to understand mm-hmm. that. The, the question I have is, is he emotional? You know, you saw the, the stat, this yeah. square off yesterday and the shove. Now was that mind games? or was that, was that real? Was that really him like exploding on on, on O'Malley before the fight happens? Because um, if he's emotional about it, then there's, then, you know, he's going to, somebody's going to have to rein, rein that in real quick because I mean, what, there were less than 24 hours at that point. Right. So, um, O'Malley is a guy who plays off the emotions. You say you 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 compared him to Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey, but Conor was was probably the best at playing with your emotions, getting yeah. in your head, and and making you fight from emotion. And O'Malley's good with that too. You know, he gets you emotional about things. You make mistakes, and you want to come after him, and and that feeds really well into his game because he's great in the counter game, especially once he's dictating the range. So. I mean, Peter Jan has to come into this fight settled, composed, and in control of his emotions to, to be able to win this one. Also, though, I mean, I didn't go back and watch the the, the, the Aljamain-Jan 2 fight, but I feel like Aljamain was a little bit in, in Jan's head in that second fight. And that, that gives me a little bit of pause about a guy like Jan because, I mean, with that experience... I feel like he's not the kind of guy to fall for those those antics, but I feel like in that fight he did, and and if, if O'Malley saw that and he's found a way to get under his skin, that could be the the thing that that just pulls him out ahead a yard, and he can get himself a huge victory and get himself really really solidified in that title conversation.
0: speaking to Eve Edwards, the jitsu master, there's been a lot of back and forth at 135 with TJ Dillashaw and Aljamain Sterling and Algernon talking about his doping and TJ coming back with comments of his own. That's all over. They're going to fight tomorrow. I see Aljamain Sterling as maybe the most disrespected champion at 100 and, you know, at, at 135 which is second to 155 in terms of of, of depth to me. He's the champ, yet he's getting booed. Not a lot of respect for him. Does he earn his respect with his performance tomorrow? What do you think of it, man?
1: It's hard. It's weird because with Al Jermaine, you know, the disrespect uh, the disrespect to the champ comes from winning the title off of a disqualification, and then he just, he just bit down, and he went into that heel roll of, I'm the yep. champ, I'm the champ, you know, but – I feel like his performance in that set, in the rematch, like like should wipe all that slate clean, and he should have the respect of of a true champion because he is. He went back out there. He was get. I I agree. He was getting dominated in that first fight, but to be dominated like that and then to come back in the second fight and do what he did and take the fight from Peter Yan, I feel like he should he should have earned the respect of the fans at that point. Doesn't matter what's been posted on social media. What he did in the cage speaks for itself. Now. Um the fact that he doesn't get that respect that everybody wants, wants T.J. Dillashaw. I feel like most of the fans want T.J. Dillashaw to win this fight. And T.J. Dillashaw is, is a known cheater. I mean, the guy yeah. was suspended for EPO, right? And um that, that I don't know, man. I feel like Al Jermaine is going to have to put it on him. And I still don't think he gets the respect should he go out there and take T.J. Dillashaw out, whether it be within the distance or get his hand raised at the end by decision. I just think the fans are going to stick with that narrative of of he's the bad guy. It's kind of like politics, right? The people who hate Donald Trump, they hate him. And the people who love him, they love him. And you're not going to change those people. My
0: question tactically about uh, T.J. Dillashaw versus uh, Aljamain Sterling is the last time T.J. Dillashaw fought twice in the calendar year was six years ago, 2016. He fought once in 2017, once in 2018. And then, you know, as we know, once in 2019, before he was suspended for two years, he just hasn't fought very often. Hasn't fought since the Corey Sanhedrin fight. That was July of last year. That inconsistency. What does it do to your timing? What does it do to your rhythm as a professional?
1: It it can be devastating. But then we look at back at a guy like Dominic Cruz, you know? Ring rust in, can be impervious to that. it, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, um... You know, um, this is the one guy, this is the one guy that, um, I mean, well, Dominic did, did kind of win. I mean, did kind of dominate that fight too, but, but I think he may have learned a lesson in that, in that match. Right. With, um, right. with, with, with Dominic. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm getting that, that trilogy mixed up. Wait, wait, give me one second. Cody beat Dominic. Dominic beat TJ. TJ beat Cody. Okay. So, <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 You're, you're getting it all together now. TJ defeats uh, Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt defeated Dominic Cruz. Right.
1: Right. So, I mean, um, I feel like he may have learned his lesson, le- not, not learned a lesson, but, but I think he may have picked up something from Dominic. I mean, he picked up the footwork. Yeah. Like, no, he didn't pick it up from Dominic, but he kind of stole that style and made it his own. Right. Um, the good footwork on the outside, keeping range. And, um, I, I don't think ring rust is going to be a real thing after watching the fight with Corey Sanhagen, he may have looked a little bit off, but, but he did really well coming back against a real high level guy after two years out. Right. Um, yeah. And then fighting again within pretty much the same calendar year that uh but against a guy who's, who's a, more of a grappler than a striker. Um, I think that, that play, that bodes well for TJ Dillashaw. Aljamain is going to have to close the distance, you know, he's going to have to close the distance and TJ a great wrestler of his own. Um, he's got good back control defense and he doesn't really expose his back very often. And that's where Aljamain is really, really strong. Um, this, this fight is going to be a battle of wits, tactics, and, 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 and who's going to be able to implement their game most soundly throughout the course of the five rounds. If it goes that distance, right? Because, uh, if, if Aljamain can get TJ down early, I believe Aljamain can get the submission in any round. But if TJ Dillashaw is able to keep this fight on the feet for three minutes of the round, you know, I think he can survive down there for two, sh- unless, of course, something crazy happens. But if three minutes on the feet with TJ Dillashaw and Aljamain Sterling really bodes well for TJ, but three minutes on the ground with Al is, is, is that's a long time for TJ, in my opinion.
0: This main event I'm talking to Eve Edwards, right? Pay-per-view Eve. Islam Makachev versus Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira, perhaps the greatest submission game in MMA history, meaning his ability to adapt his jiu-jitsu for MMA is almost unparalleled. Islam Makachev, people think he's Khabib 2.0. How do you see this one playing out, man?
1: So I've always said this. um, Charles Oliveira's ground game gives him like, the only, he's the only guy in MMA to get like an automatic standing eight because guy I've seen guys <laughs> drop Charles Oliveira and then just not follow him down to the mat because even if that guy is stunned, he's dangerous off his back. Then we go back and look at Islam Makachev, we he hear all the things that he's saying, we know what his strengths are, and he tells you he's coming into this fight planning to take Charles Oliveira down. Right now, Charles Oliveira, I think he's the. I think he should still be holding on to the belt. Like all that other BS that happened is just noise in the background. Oliveira is the champion. And um, he's come a long way, man. He's been in the UFC for a long time and he's been forged by the octagon. You know, he's not the same guy that he was six, seven years ago. Um, His last five fights have been all at the top of the division and he's run through all those guys stopping all of them except Tony. And Tony's crazy, he's just one of those guys who doesn't get stopped unless you put him to sleep by KO, you know. Um, so it's one of those things. Islam Makachev, he has he has confidence, but he has that, like I said, he has that Khabib sauce, he has that rub from Khabib. and everybody feels like he's superman. But I look at Charles Oliveira, man. I look at Charles Oliveira and I think he's Batman, you know, and um. Uh, like people, like everybody like Batman doesn't have superpowers, blah, blah, blah. Batman has a superpower, and that superpower is confidence. Cause that guy, he's like, I could beat <laughs> Superman to fight. Then he went and picked a fight with Superman and beat him <laughs> up. You know what I mean? And I think that's where Charles Oliveira is. He's very confident in himself now. Like I know, I know Makachev is dangerous. Everybody knows that. But but like this is the last true test. For Charles Oliveira, and if he runs through these two are the two guys at the top of the division, I believe. And although Makachev hasn't fought a lot of the top five guys, um, I think he should be sitting right where he is in title contention. Um, but but I think Charles Oliveira, he's he's just a different guy from the guy we saw fighting Nick Lentz the first time around. You know, fighting at one forty five facing Cub Swanson. I uh, I really think that 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 Charles Oliveira, he's He's a new man. He's been forged by the Octagon. He believes in himself now. He knows he has what it takes to beat the best in the world. And, and he's willing to go into enemy territory and get it done. I mean, he's ready to pick a fight with Superman. He's got his kryptonite in his back pocket. I think, I think Charles my my pick in this one is Charles Oliveira. Um, because I, I I really think that he knows who he is now. And he's not, he's not, he's not as breakable as he used to be. I don't think he's breakable at all anymore. Eve, it is
0: always a pleasure catching up with you, my man. I know you're going to be watching intently tomorrow. Thank you so much so for great. the X's and O's once again. Pay-per-view, Eve. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, my man. Always good to talk to you, Jimmy. MMA on Sirius XM is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. plus Catch in the Cage weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern and MMA Today Tuesday to Thursday from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation, channel 156, and on the SXM app. Sirius XM Podcasts.